June 2nd. We turn now to the New Testament. Our reading today will be from the book of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 25. We'll learn a lot of different attributes and aspects of Jesus. We'll learn about Jesus the stranger. When Peter returned to the old life, he took six other men with him. Their work was in vain because the Lord was not with them. How kind he is to come to us when we've disobeyed him and have failed in our work. And we'll learn about Jesus the Master. When Jesus takes charge, failure is turned into success. And the difference was only the width of the ship. You never know how close you are to victory. So admit your failure and obey what he tells you to do. He never fails. And Jesus is also the host. It took six men to drag the net. But Peter did it alone when Jesus gave the orders. We should always remember that God's commandment is God's enablement. Did the fire of coals remind Peter of his denials? Did the miraculous catch of fish remind him of his call to service? How kind of Jesus to feed Peter before dealing with him about his sins. And we'll read about Jesus the shepherd. The most important thing in ministry is loving Christ. For all ministry flows from that. Peter the fisherman was also to be a shepherd and care for the lambs and sheep. And then finally, we'll read about Jesus the Lord. By saying, follow me, Jesus reinstated Peter as an apostle. But Peter turned around and took his eyes off the Lord, and Jesus had to rebuke him. The next time you're tempted to meddle in somebody else's ministry, ponder Christ's words. What is that to you? You follow me. Peter followed the Lord right into the excitement of the book of Acts. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. June 2nd, John chapter 21, verses 1 through 25. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon, Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the Twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, the disciples saw Jesus standing on the beach, but they couldn't see who he was. He called out, Friends, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get plenty of fish. So they did, and they couldn't draw in the net, because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and swam ashore. The other stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were only about three hundred feet. When they got there, they saw that a charcoal fire was burning and fish were frying over it, and there was bread. "'Bring some of the fish you've just caught,' Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were a hundred and fifty-three large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. "'Now come and have some breakfast,' Jesus said. And no one dared ask him, 
if he was really the Lord because they were sure of it. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Once more he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said, Then feed my sheep. The truth is, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked and go wherever you wanted to. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will direct you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would die to glorify God. Then Jesus told him, Follow me. Peter turned around and saw the disciple Jesus loved following them, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who among us will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, What about him, Lord? Jesus replied, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that that disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is that disciple who saw these events and recorded them here. And we all know that his account of these things is accurate. And I suppose that if all the other things Jesus did were written down, the whole world could not contain the books. Today we're reading Psalm 120, verses 1 through 7. It's about deliverance. The familiar rhyme, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me, is really not always true. Words can hurt us, and the psalmist felt them keenly. Only God can deliver you from lies and their destructive power. And only God can judge the liars. Just be sure you are valiant for truth in your own life. I believe that when God really gets a hold of your life in a surrendered way, that He will change the way you see conflict. I derived this insight from verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. It's interesting that most of us would see Judas Iscariot, who handed Jesus over to be crucified at the hands of Romans because of the impulse of the Jews to rid the earth of him as an enemy. Most of us would see Judas as an enemy. Isn't it interesting that Jesus chose him as an employee? Why is that? Why would Jesus choose an enemy as an employee? It took me back to something that Moses said to the Israelites when they were coming into the land God had promised them. He said that you're going to drive out all of the nations who live here so you can possess the land. He said, but it won't all happen in the first year. 
because if all of your enemies went away suddenly, the land would be overgrown because you don't know what to do with it yet. So when God brings you into a place or a promise, he will often leave enemies in the very land where he is settling you because you are not ready yet for the full extent of freedom. And if he removed your enemies, your heart would be filled with pride. The scripture teaches that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So God will use your enemies to create humility so that he can be for you what you can't be for yourself. I feel like preaching that, but that's not my message. Maybe another time. It said that Judas was looking for an opportunity to hand Jesus over. And while Judas was looking for an opportunity to hand Jesus over, Jesus was looking for an opportunity to die. It was this purpose he came for. Peter could not understand why Jesus, at the height of his ministry momentum, would go to Jerusalem, the place where they wanted to kill him. In Peter's mind, this would be the end of all of the miracles. In the understanding of Jesus, this was the beginning of the very mission that he came to accomplish. God has a different way of categorizing conflict than you do. So often in my life, I associate God with comfort and the devil with conflict. Watch me preach this, JJ. Because we're going to switch columns today and see that sometimes it is the devil who will make your life comfortable so you come to the point that you don't think you need God. And it is God that will allow a conflict that will make you fall down on your knees and ask God for the very grace that enables you to rise. High five your neighbors, say, I need a fight. I need a conflict. I need an insecurity. I need a giant. I need a Goliath. I need an enemy. I need a battle. That's the only way I can be blessed if I have a battle to fight. I need discomfort or else I will become despondent. I feel the Spirit of the Lord in this place. I see you going home and relabeling conflict as opportunity. How dumb would it be if I put down the weights because they got heavy and expected any muscular improvement? We do it all the time. We run from conflict and pray for blessings. We are running from what we're praying for. How can we receive it? Relationship to relationship because once it gets past chemistry, we don't know what to do with conflict. Chemistry can make a baby, but in order to raise a child and to have a family, you better know what to do with conflict. So Jesus chose in his very ranks. All of y'all over the age of 60, tell me if I'm telling the truth right now. If you don't learn what to do with conflict, it will follow you and wear a different costume into the next relationship that you ruin because you never learned how to deal with the real conflict, which is within. And so when you have walked with Jesus a little while, you understand that Judas was on the same payroll as Peter. 
Jesus called Judas friend and told Peter, get behind me, Satan. One time when Judas was getting ready to betray Jesus, the gospel writer recorded it this way. He said, what you're going to do, do it quickly. Let's get this started, because the sooner I die, the sooner I rise. And if I rise, and if I ascend, I can send the Holy Spirit to be your comforter. Let's go ahead and get this over with. Whatever you got to do, do it. Hit me with your best shot. I know one thing. When it's all said and done, there will be glory after this. I am convinced that the sufferings of this present time. Psalm 120, verses 1 through 7. A song for the ascent to Jerusalem. I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to Him, and He answered my prayer. Rescue me, O Lord, from liars and from all deceitful people. O deceptive tongue, what will God do to you? How will He increase your punishment? You will be pierced with sharp arrows and burned with glowing coals. How I suffer among these scoundrels of Meshach. It pains me to live with these people from Kedar. I am tired of living here among people who hate peace. As for me, I am for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. Proverbs 16, verses 16 and 17. How much better to get wisdom than gold and understanding than silver? The path of the upright leads away from evil. Whoever follows that path is safe.